0: everyone. Welcome back to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we are going to be talking about EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, with Bethany Warren. I'm really excited to bring you this topic today because, for one, I've been interested in EMDR as a modality for treatment for some time, but also I self-disclose in this episode just a bit that I recently started EMDR for myself, and wow, it is quite powerful. And now I'm especially motivated to get trained in this modality. And I know that it takes a while to do that, but just for myself, been able to see the benefit. And from what I've heard, other people see the benefit as well. Our guest today, Bethany, has a passion for women's mental health issues and has worked in the field for 20 years. She specializes in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, also working with women experiencing birth trauma, pregnancy loss, infertility, or facing adoption or surrogacy. Beth is certified in EMDR, and the trauma processing lens and attachment model guides most of her work with clients. Beth has worked at Scripps and Kaiser in both hospital and outpatient psychiatric settings and is now in a group private practice. Beth currently serves as the president of the board of the Postpartum Health Alliance and has volunteered for other community organizations promoting and supporting women's health and mental wellness. Beth is also an adjunct professor at a local university in San Diego. This episode is chock full of great stuff and some resources we're going to have for you in the show notes. I would love to hear what you guys think about using EMDR. If you're a therapist listening and you use EMDR with your clients, specifically perinatal clients, I would love to hear what you see in your practice. And I'm so excited to get into this with you and also get some training soon. So without further ado, let's hear from Bethany. Welcome Beth. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh,
1: Thank you so much for having me back, Kat. I sure love your podcast. It's good to be here.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. Well, I'm super duper excited to jump into this topic today. And for one, to help people understand what it is, I'm sure people have heard EMDR on some level, but a lot of people don't know what it is or how or why it works. And then specifically, how can we use this to help perinatal moms? So I'm excited for you to share this with us. Yeah, so maybe you can just start where you think we should start understanding this.
1: Me too. I'm so excited to be here to talk about EMDR. It has just absolutely blown the lid off of my practice, and I'm just thrilled to be able to be here to talk about it. So thank you. So you're right. Some people have heard about it. Some people have know all about it, and some people are like, EMD what? And the people who have heard about EMDR therapy often have heard about it in conjunction with our veterans, with soldiers who are coming back from fighting the war, and know about it in conjunction with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful to be able to explain what this therapy is and how this can help our perinatal and maternal mental health population, which is my specialty and where I use EMDR therapy. So EMDR is an acronym, and it stands for Eye Movement desensitization, that's a hard one to say, and reprocessing. So eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, which is such a mouthful. That's why we (laughs) call it EMDR. Right. And it's a type of psychotherapy that was specifically researched and designed back in the 80s originally for trauma, but actually is also very useful and has been empirically validated for all sorts of issues like panic attacks, depression, addiction, phobias, pain, eating disorders, sexual abuse, grief, all sorts of stuff. And EMDR, again, like I was saying, is mostly known for its use with trauma. And why I'm just so excited to talk to you about it today is it is incredibly helpful for our maternal mental health population, specifically mm. for birth trauma or any sort of reproductive trauma around the pregnancy or postpartum period. Really helpful for pregnancy loss, infertility, anything where a woman just feels very stuck. And when I describe it to people, it's helpful, I think, first to explain how our brain's process information, just period, before I get into the therapy. Would that be okay? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Great.
1: So the way our brains process and store information and memory happens during REM sleep. Have you ever seen anybody sleep like with their eyes moving back and forth? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Kind of creepy looking. But so during REM sleep, our brains are processing, breaking down and storing everything that's happened during the day and taking all of our information from the day, all the data, the emotions, images, all of that, breaking it down short-term memory, and then eventually storing it into long-term memory in the hippocampus. And What's really cool is as the eyes are moving back and forth, the brain is taking material back and forth from the limbic system, which is very back of your brain stem, reptilian kind of part of your brain, and then gathering information from the prefrontal cortex, which is at the front part of your brain. Now, this is kind of hard to talk about without seeing any sort of visual, but Anyway, so information going back and forth, back and forth, and that's what's happening is your eyes are moving back and forth quite rapidly, and eventually you're storing all that information in your limbic system, in the hippocampus. So we do that every single night as we're sleeping. Our brains are capable of that. It's actually quite a sophisticated system. It's pretty cool.
0: Right. Yeah. So this podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs. What they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP? was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom.
1: We also, though, have memories and situations when we have been in a heightened state of arousal, when we've been really stressed and distressed, where that system gets interrupted, And our memories from that event will be kind of free-floating, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. and will go unprocessed and then go unstored. They're not stored in long-term memory. And so Mm -hmm. the example I always give people is we all know the difference. We all have the difference between something that's happened to us in their past, even if it was a bad memory, let's say, a, a bad situation, something that we wish hadn't happened to us, but we can talk about it without being emotional. We Mm -hmm, can mm -hmm. think about it without that punch to the gut thing. Or, you know, we can, even if it was our fault, like let's say it was a car accident and yeah, I kind of cut that guy off. That was my fault. But we can say with sincerity, you know, I learned from it. It's no longer my issue. Like I certainly paid the price with insurance premiums. We can even drive past that intersection. We remember it certainly, but there's no emotion tied to it. It's like, yeah, that happened. I moved on. Mm -hmm. And then we all know the difference between memories that have happened in the past. And man, it could be like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and holy cow, it still feels like it's still happening. If we use that car accident example, that might be you drive through the intersection and you can still see it happening and you are bracing and you might even have a panic attack or Mm -hmm. you say to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. I. I'm just like, nobody should trust me driving or Mm. you get triggered every time you get behind the wheel of a vehicle or et cetera. It just still feels like it's happening. Like it's still lingering for you and everybody has those, the difference between a memory that has been fully processed and one that has just kind of been free floating. And so with mamas, I'll give you a couple examples There's such a difference between, let's say, a woman who has had challenges with breastfeeding and maybe wasn't able to breastfeed as long as she had hoped. And maybe one mama says, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I'm so defective as a mom. I didn't meet expectations and just really be triggered whenever she hears other people or talk about their breastfeeding or she sees a mom breastfeeding, she might feel a lot of shame versus another mom who might say to herself with true sincerity, like, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I did my best. I Mm. learned from it. That was Mm -hmm. really hard. I have some self-compassion like breastfeeding is tough and Mm. and not everybody is able to do it or whatever. Or same thing. Like we all know women who had unexpected C-sections or even emergency cesarean sections. Uh And one woman might be very triggered whenever she even sees her hospital or goes to get a checkup and has to get her blood pressure taken or hears of other people's birth experiences and she just feels very powerless or feels like a failure or feels unsafe. Another woman, though, might have had that exact same experience and might say to herself, like, oh, my God, I'm kick-ass. Like, I'm Uh capable of being so strong when I needed to it's over now. So again, all those examples are just showing how the brain processes and how Mm -hmm. sometimes those memories can be frozen.
0: Right. So if I can understand some of the examples that you were giving, obviously like the people who kind of were able to adjust and feel fine, they're not traumatized. And the other people are, or they might be. Right. And you know, trauma
1: is so subjective. Some women that I was talking about might actually need full criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. Others might have more of an anxiety or depression component, but the fact is this memory itself or this incident itself still really holds power over them. It still Mm -hmm. lingers. It still really feels like it's still happening to them whenever they think about it or whenever they're triggered, but it's not that maybe she meets full PTSD criteria.
0: Okay. Right. Because I'm thinking, wow, there's like, hundred percent of the people that come into my practice meet that. I mean, I know there's like the trauma is very much in the eye of the beholder and it depends yeah. on what their experience is if they felt traumatized by it. But I think then the clarification that you made that it, it may or may not be an actual PTSD diagnosis, right? They could be feel upset, depressed, anxious about the experience, but it's not always trauma.
1: Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah, roughly about 12% of pregnant women, 9% of postpartum women meet PTSD criteria. About 34% of women report having a traumatic birth experience. But yeah, you're totally right, just because they don't meet criteria for PTSD, like full PTSD doesn't mean that they can't have this experience of a memory holding power over them or that kind of negative held belief system that's still so so sticky.
0: Right, right. Okay, that's super helpful. Thank you for that. Okay, so the brain has either partially processed some information or some feelings or thoughts are kind of stuck.
1: Yep. And so that's why honestly, EMDR just has blown the lid off of my own practice clinically because what I was experiencing as a psychotherapist is with the women who had had, let's say, infertility, pregnancy loss, traumatic birth experience, you know, perinatal depression, anxiety, what have you, and were able to use more insight-oriented therapy, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy or birth narrative or, you know, mindfulness, meditation, whatever, and really were able to process through and have full and complete healing. They were like, I'm good. I graduate. I'm doing well, out the door. But then there were some women who I just really, you could see almost like it was a glass ceiling that they were hitting. Mm -hmm. And there was like a sticking point where there was just this deeply held negative belief for them of the, yeah, but I failed or yeah, but I'm powerless Mm -hmm. or whatever the negative belief was. And then the triggers kept happening and Mm -hmm. yes, it would get less and less over time, especially with a lot of the exposure that we were doing like systematic desensitization kind of exposure or, you know, what have you, but it just felt like there was, Like we were just getting them good enough Mm -hmm. with all of our different therapy that we were doing together and different techniques and tools. And so it was just really interesting to observe that when I finally started doing EMDR therapy with them that, man, we blew through this glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. Because what EMDR therapy does is it processes – the memories, the way your brain already knows how to. The greatest analogy or metaphor, I always get them confused the greatest. I'm going to go with analogy. Some of your listeners (laughs) might be like screaming at us right now going, no. You know, when you get cut and you might put Neosporin on that cut or you might get stitches, but ultimately it's your body itself that does the healing. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing with EMDR. It's really cool, but it's your brain already knowing how to process memory
0: the way it does during REM sleep. And so... With that eyes moving back and forth thing that you described earlier?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so what we do is we have the client bring to mind whatever memory they are working on and have them think about the image that comes to mind, the emotions that come to mind, the negative belief that comes to mind. Remember how we were talking earlier about like, for example, I'm a failure or Mm -hmm. I'm unsafe or whatnot. And all of that is to light up essentially the limbic system to make sure what part of the brain we're really activating, not the part of the brain that's responsible for the higher level thinking, which is what part of the brain we're using when we're doing cognitive behavioral or any of the other type of therapies where you're talking it through. Mm -hmm. So again, we're really lighting up that memory in the brain and then we're using the bilateral stimulation to process it the way your brain knows how to do with Mm -hmm. REM sleep. But this time you're fully awake, you're fully in charge, you're aware you're not hypnotized or asleep or anything like that. And then your brain processes the memory it already knows how to do. Hmm.
0: So how does that help? what happens?
1: So the real easy answer there is the memory becomes unstuck. It's way more complex than that, of course. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What if I just said, that's it, the end, bye-bye. The memory essentially becomes unstuck from the sense of it processes in the way that it was incapable of doing at the time. Mm. So if you were so hyper aroused because you were in shock or feeling that you were being forced to do something against your will, or you were so scared in that fight or flight mode, you felt like you were going to die at the time. Now you have a ability to process with logic and reason and time and different insights and of course, in the safety of your therapist's office as well. And the therapist is always monitoring for someone becoming very hyper-aroused and being unable to tolerate it. But it's just really, really powerful, really lovely to watch new insights coming up. I laugh with my clients. It's really amazing how, you know, at the time of going through these awful things, if someone says to you, oh, but it was for a reason or, Mm -hmm. oh, look at how strong you are. You just kind of want to punch him in the face. (laughs) right? Right. But when you yourself come up with these own thoughts and when you are able to come up with these positive beliefs afterwards through processing, like, oh my gosh, look at what I was capable of, or look Mm -hmm. at these positives that came from it. It's very, very different because Mm -hmm. your brain's coming up with that. Nobody's planting that seed. Nobody is telling you to think that way. I'm just sitting quietly observing you and your brain coming up with that. It's amazing.
0: Right. So there's less talking and more yes.
1: feeling. Feeling, yes. And also just observing. Okay. Mm-hmm. observing. Uh, I like to say to my clients, your whole job with EMDR therapy is just to observe with curiosity what comes up. Mm-hmm. Some people process in very visual ways, like they'll just see everything that happened or see different memories come up. Mm -hmm. Some people process kind of more emotionally, like you're saying, kind of feel different feelings or feel different sensations in their bodies. Some people kind of a jumble of all of that. Some people are more imaginal. Like for example, if they had a traumatic birth experience and part of it was that they were not able to move or that the doctor was saying something very Awful to them. You know, they might imagine being able to get up and karate chop their way out of the room. <laughs> or, yeah, it's really cool to see That's what the comes up with. Yeah. Like I wasn't able to do this at the time. This is what I would have needed, you know.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I'm starting to see all the ways that it can be helpful for perinatal moms as you're talking through this. So like you mentioned, well, maybe I should take a step back. Is there any other part of the process of EMDR that would be helpful for people to know?
1: That's a good question. I would encourage women who are hearing this and thinking that this would be helpful for them, like if they're hearing and going, oh yeah, like I feel like I've gotten better with you know this part of my experience, but this is still really sticky for me or I still feel really triggered when I go to my doctor's office or when I hear other people's birth experiences, whatever, to just have a realistic expectation just to make sure that you're going to an EMDR therapist who has experience working with maternal mental health and I'll give resources at the end. And also just to know it's not, you know, like an overnight thing. It's still a process. It's just like talk therapy, but it is amazing how incredible it can be.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I was saying before, I can start to see all the potential uses. I mean, you gave us a list of Things that it can help with like birth trauma and a bunch of other things that either are like clinically diagnosable as trauma, as PTSD, or that are on some spectrum, a range of things that felt traumatizing or that where people feel stuck. There's so many ways that moms and dads feel stuck during this period of time. So I I can see how helpful it can be. The other thing I'm thinking of is people who do not want to approach you know, a trauma and talk about it or think about it. And that that's a real thing. And that's part of trauma is avoidance and not wanting to deal with stuff. So what would you say to those people who are like, Oh, gosh, you know, like, this is the stuff I don't want to think about, why would I go do this?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. One of my clients, and she said it was okay to share this. One of my clients said it so beautifully one time when we were done with our therapy, she said, I was so worried you were going to just make me take a trauma bath. And it was not like that at all. And I was like, oh, that's like the perfect way of saying it. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, oh my gosh, we are very smart as humans. And when we get hurt, we don't want to return to the scene of the crime, so to speak. When we burn ourselves on a stove. We're not about to go touch that stove again. And mm-hmm. so it's the same with trauma. We get really good at avoiding things that trigger us with trauma. And so people can learn to kind of disassociate and pull away from their feelings, mm-hmm. shove them down. Um, if they're having nightmares or you know flashbacks, things that are reminding them of the memory, people start to self-medicate sometimes or avoid the actual places that are triggering the people that are triggering. So the thought of, yeah, I want to sign up for a therapy to actually go through this again to a lot of people sounds kind of horrific. So it is helpful to know this isn't a talk therapy. In fact, you that's the opposite. You do not have to tell your story there. In fact, for a lot of people, telling their story, going through the experience, you know, verbally can be in and of itself very triggering. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's not the case, but for a lot of women having to talk through it, especially if they have these deeply held negative beliefs, can be incredibly re-triggering again Mm -hmm. and traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Because again, talking about these different parts of the brain. And so that's something helpful to know with EMDR therapy is you won't have to sit and talk through all of it with your therapist. And the other can analogy metaphor
0: <laughs> i need to go back to school it's sorry right. um, i don't and, have the answer either
1: what i really love is as you're processing it's a great example of sitting on a train so as you bring up the image for example of let's say it was a traumatic loss that you start with the memory itself but then it quickly passes to something else and passes to something else. Just as if you were sitting on a train mm. and I'll use the ocean because that's where we are here in San Diego. But if I was to be sitting on a train and looking out at a specific beach and the train's moving along, I wouldn't be able to just be staring at that specific beach because it's already moved on to the next beach to the next mm. beach. So even if we wanted to keep a specific image in our mind, it moves. During REM sleep, it, you know, sometimes is 60 seconds at the most. It's amazing how quickly our brains process information. Mm. So that's the nice thing to know is you won't just be sitting in that particular image. It moves pretty
0: fast. Okay, that's fantastic. Really good to know, right? Because so many people are maybe thinking about getting help. I'm not sure where to go. And there are a lot of great therapies for a lot of great things. But if I can like self-disclose here for just a moment, um, I recently restarted going to therapy and I chose an EMDR therapist and I'm on like session three. So I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know a whole lot about it yet. But what I can tell you as a therapist who's gone to therapy and like worked on my stuff for years, there is a way that like talk therapy does a lot of good stuff, but it doesn't get to some of the stuff the way this does. And it's pretty powerful and can be intense for sure. But Just, you know, being a therapist and going to a therapist, I can kind of like think about what's happening too and understand it from that perspective. And all the stuff that you're saying about how it can be useful and getting past these really stuck feelings, I get it. Like I see exactly how that could happen and how it does happen. And like, I'm fine. Like I'm not, you know, going back to therapy because I'm falling apart or because I'm like traumatized all the time just because... I'm a therapist and I like to dig stuff up and, and like deal right? with it. But anyhow, I just did. Thanks for letting me self disclose here for a minute because yeah. I, I just thank think you. it's so powerful. And now I want to get trained in it so I can help other people do this.
2: Yes.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I'm so glad that you're getting your own experience and it's inspired you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can get it such deep-rooted stuff that talk therapy can. And Mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of it is that oftentimes it can make connections or help us make connections that insight-oriented therapy cannot. Yeah. And Often going back to childhood stuff that we thought was resolved or maybe we didn't even know was there at all. And right. an example I might give you would be, you know, let's say again, going back to a traumatic type of birth experience, or one that maybe even on the surface you didn't think was so traumatic, but you can't, quote, get over it. Why can't I stop thinking about it? Right. Or why do I feel so shameful or like a failure? Mm-hmm. And as we do EMDR our prep work and as we're doing the actual processing, maybe a memory of the time grandma yelled at you and shamed you, came up. I don't know why that popped in my brain. I have the most lovely grandmother. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Came up. And so, you know, here's a memory of the time you felt shamed and yelled at when you were itty bitty. And you're like, what is that memory doing there? Mm-hmm. But your brain keeps patterns and notices themes. And it felt very similar at the time of your delivery when you felt ashamed and like a failure of that time you were itty bitty the same way and mm-hmm. that's something that you may not have made the connection using talk therapy and mm-hmm. the nice thing is you don't have to talk through that one either your mm-hmm. brain makes the connection and processes through that memory from when you're itty bitty just like it does now so I love the work for that I love mm-hmm. it for early attachment repair Mm. for women who have really complex or impaired relationships with their own caregivers who are now Mm. heading into being mothers themselves and Mm. find that that is bringing up a lot of anxiety and concern. Mm. Attachment repair work through AMDR is just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's some of my favorite work that I do
2: now. finding when you
1: are doing the same pattern over and over. Like if women are saying, oh my God, why do I keep dating the same guy? Like I want to date a different guy, but I'm dating like the same type of guy over and over or, Mm -hmm. you know, making the same quote mistake with parenting. If you feel like I know better rationally and Mm -hmm. I keep slipping into the same pattern and I don't know what that's about. Mm -hmm. So just all these things that are so much deeper like you just shared. So thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It is enlightening for me. I'm not often surprised anymore <laughs> by <laughs> therapies. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that's great. But I was surprised by this. So yeah. I'm really excited that we're sharing this information and that you're sharing this information. So I have a couple of questions just around like, what have you seen in terms of any research about how this is helpful for perinatal moms? Yeah. I guess we can start there.
1: Yeah, thank you. There has been so much research about EMDR therapy since the 80s. It's one of the most validated types of therapies. And with EMDR and maternal mental health, there has been a good amount of research and there still is such a need for more. I'm such an advocate for that. And so I'm always on the lookout for more and more people who are doing research there are a couple people who have written some good articles if people are interested in looking them up. Carol Forgash is one, Claire Stamrood is another. I think she's out of the Netherlands, if I remember correctly. Andrew Leeds and Amy Robbins are all people that have written good articles about EMGR with pregnancy and postpartum mm-hmm. populations. And if anybody's ever interested in a huge library of research and you can specifically look for pregnancy and postpartum, the International Association is a really good place to go. It's Emdria, dot And that's also a good place to find therapists as well. And I'm so stoked. Just last year, I approached them to ask them if they could add a search criteria for this population. And they did. I was so Aww. thrilled. They added a birth trauma and pregnancy loss search criteria. That's great. So, with all the different specialties that you can look for, you know, like people who specialize in addiction or disassociation, they've now added a birth trauma and pregnancy loss. So, anybody who's Yay, looking advocacy. for I don't know. <laughs> and it was so easy, they were so great and gracious about it. I was so thrilled. Awesome. So, again, org if you want to find more research or find a therapist.
0: So you would be able to, on that website, be able to find people who are certified in this? Okay. And that's important, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's different levels of training. There is a level one training, which is your basic level of training. And then you get five hours of consultation. There's a level two training. And then to be certified is really the gold standard. And I'd recommend anybody who's going to get therapy, especially in this population, please go with someone who's certified, and that's not to discount people who aren't certified yet, but this is just such an important population with so many opportunities with attachments and Mm -hmm. issues back from our own childhood that, right, that's what I would recommend anyway.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so great. That's an awesome resource for people to find information and a therapist. I'm curious, as we're talking through this, if there's anyone who shouldn't do EMDR or shouldn't do it yet.
1: Oh, good question. So it's recommended that anyone who is currently psychotic not do EMDR. Although I've actually done it a couple of times with women who've experienced postpartum psychosis once they have cleared and have healed. As you can imagine, postpartum psychosis is so traumatizing. It right. can be incredibly helpful to then use EMDR afterwards Yeah, to process the memories of everything that they went through and the hospitalizations mm-hmm. and just all the... Uh, Systems they came in Mm -hmm. contact with. But yeah, anyone who is currently psychotic, it's not recommended. You have to have some reality testing available it's not recommended for people who are currently using substances although if that's the thing that is keeping you from health it, there are some great addiction protocols that are useful and people who are trained in the addiction protocols with EMDR so please don't let that stop you if that's something just please mm. if that's something that you're struggling with please just make sure you're getting with an EMDR therapist who is trained in that specialty and it's a funny catch 22, but it's typically not the best for people who are in very chaotic life circumstances, meaning like in chaos or in like, let's say war or something where they're, mm-hmm. you know, going to be going back out to the chaos. But it's interesting. That's also incredibly helpful because if they're still facing the trauma it helps kind of stabilize them to mm-hmm. send them back out. So it's a funny catch twenty two,
0: right? I imagine that's some sort of like safety precaution or yeah. just being careful type yes. of a thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like for example, if a woman's in interpersonal violence relationship, you know, you'd want to make sure you're working on safety issues first,
0: right? Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is all amazing and awesome and necessary information. And maybe for those people who are still kind of wondering, well, how could it help me? What have you seen? What have you seen it help moms? Oh my gosh.
1: I just am in such awe of this therapy. I laugh sometimes that I wish I had gotten certified at the very beginning of being a psychotherapist because it is just profoundly transformative. And so it has been really useful for Clients, as I've mentioned, with all of those different issues with maternal mental health. But what is, I think, the most valuable is when a client says to me, I never thought I would be okay with what I had been through. And now I can think about it without becoming emotional. I can talk about it. I can go to all those places that used to be so triggering to me. It no longer feels like it's in the here and the now. And it's like that memory we've talked about where it really is a long-term memory. It feels fuzzy. It feels like mm. it's in the past. It's like a historical event. And so to me, that's the most profound. And the thing I'd want to leave your listeners with is just the thought of whatever you've been through that is so god-awful and still holds such power over you that it feels like it's still happening. It's so cool to hear my clients say, you know, like, I never thought I'd be okay with that. I Mm. never thought that that wouldn't hold power over me still. And whether it just happened or whether it was, you know, 30 years ago, it's just such an honor to sit with my clients and watch that transform.
0: Wow. That's super amazing and powerful. And it sounds like, you know, there are for these types of stuck things. This is really a great option. Um, it's a great yeah. modality for people to try out. And yeah. again, not like talk therapy, other talk therapy isn't helpful for other things for sure. But this sounds really specific to those kinds of things that just that we can't get past. Yes. Um, this helps us get past them. Yep. Super cool. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. I am so excited to give this information to everybody and and just, just one more option for people who are feeling stuck and having a hard time that this works.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time and for the platform to be able to share it. I really appreciate it. And thank you for doing what you do. I love your podcast so much. (laughs) I listen to every single episode. I really do. I just, I love
0: it. Thanks. I'm so glad. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dr. Kat. Thank you, Bethany, for bringing us this really valuable information. And I'm super hopeful that for those of you who are listening, whether you're a therapist and thinking about getting training or already using this type of therapy with clients, I'd love to hear your feedback on this. And also, if you're a mom or a partner who's experienced trauma, you've tried talk therapy and it just isn't working out for you, or you know specifically you have a trauma that you'd like to have help processing, I'd love to know what you thought about this episode. Please feel free to email me any feedback or thoughts, questions you have at momandmind at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with Bethany Warren at Bethany Warren LCSW on Instagram. And as I mentioned before, we'll have some resources for you in the show notes about places you can find an EMDR certified therapist or learn more about birth trauma. And again, please always feel free to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Mom and Mind Connection Facebook group. Until next time.